0: hello friends and welcome to this easter sunday service so good to have you with us and we celebrate this passion week as one of the most beautiful weeks where we remember what jesus did for us today's the day we celebrate the resurrection of jesus this powerful and beautiful event that transformed our lives so good to have you with us even if it is virtually and if you're visiting with us for the first time and especially warm welcome to you so glad you could sit back and relax And enjoy this time with us. You're welcome. The story is told that on the plains of judgment, all of mankind is gathered together in the sight of God. And they're about to await God's judgment. And He's about to come out. And they gather together a delegation of the most eloquent leaders and the most persuasive politicians to represent their position before God. And this group of people draws near to the majestic throne of God. And they say... Your your Majesty, we just don't think it's right that you could judge us without first hearing us out. We are the ones who've had to live on the earth that you created. And there are a few mitigating issues that we'd like to bring up to you uh, before you start rendering judgment. Because you're such a glorious and majestic being. And we really don't think that you could understand what it was like to be one of those that you created. And so we'd like to suggest that before you can judge us, you need to come down and live like one of us and you need to face our problems, you need to feel our pain. And so a group of us have got together and we've come up with a list of the most hated realities and we'd like to suggest that before you can talk to us or even try and deal with us that you come and you face some of the realities that we've had to face living in this creation. Firstly, on our list here, it says that we think you should be Come down and be born, but not born rich. You should be born among the poor people. On the wrong side of the tracks, not in some fancy mansion, but you need to be born in a hovel like some of us were. Not some well-known family either, but to unwanted people, the people who are not celebrated, without fame or celebration, but people who are more often going to be derided and be held in high suspicion. We don't want you to come to a, a big city. or to, We want you to grow up in a tiny little town that everybody laughs at and we don't want you to have it easy or we don't want you to know peace. We want you to be made to run for your life at an early age and see how you feel about that. so we don't think you should be handsome but ugly like someone from whom people will hide their faces and we don't think you should know a lot of joy and laughter in your youth but rather you should be familiar with suffering and pain and somebody here said we think you should lose your father early on and see what that feels like and maybe your mother should have to struggle to provide for you and your brothers and sisters and we don't want your mother to have a good reputation let her be called a loose woman in the city that you grow up in and why don't you come to a country Uh, where you grow up in that's hated and oppressed and people mock you for your religious beliefs and and let your oppressors have dominance over you in your country and we just think that no one should be able to take you seriously let friends betray you let family think you're mad let people ridicule every statement you make and we want you to come and experience what it's like to have powerful enemies contend against you. Let the state seek for your arrest. Hope religious leaders slander you and plot against you. May crowds call for your death. Let your preparation be a long time coming and your release be very short. We, we want you to know what it feels like to be unjustly arrested and improperly charged and brutally treated and and that you die young and before your time, and at the end, let everybody that you loved and cared for you abandon you, and let you have a shameful and an early death. And when their last words were spoken, a hush filled the air, and humanity waited for God the judge to answer them And then it was almost as if light itself moved as a person appeared coming from the right hand of the throne of God. He appeared looking like someone like a son of man and he had scars on his hand and his feet and he carried a scepter, the scepter of the judge in his hand. And all of humanity fell silent as the only one authorized to make all judgment showed himself, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. And mankind began to tremble as they realized that everything on their list had already been fulfilled, every requirement they'd asked, everything they said before you judge us, they realized that Jesus himself had fulfilled it. And he alone was the one who has the right to judge. And a wail began to grow amongst mankind louder and louder as human beings understood that here now was the one who had complete understanding, who had lived a perfect life and who had the right to judge every single one of us. He had both the understanding and the righteousness to be the perfect judge. See, there is no question that Jesus understands what it's like to be mankind. But the real question is, how did he do when he walked in those circumstances? Did he manage to please God? Did he manage to keep the law and the the things that God had asked mankind to do? Did he do well? Because if he himself came and didn't do well, then we're all blameless before God. Because if God's own son couldn't even do it, then we can't be held. If Jesus had committed his own sins, then his death would just be seen as a payment for his own sins. Because the rule in eternity was that the one who sins must die. And the principle is that you can't wash away any sin without blood being shed. Because where sin has been proven, bloodshed has to be proven. That somebody died to pay for that sin. And Hebrews 9.22 says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. See, that's just the way things work. But Jesus himself had no sin. And so he did not have to offer up his own life to pay for his own sins. In fact, of all creation, he is the only one who lived a perfect and sinless life. And so when he got to this place, he could choose to offer himself that pure and innocent blood on behalf of other people. Now, the big question was, would he choose to? Would somebody so pure, who tried so hard, who'd obey for so long, give up his innocent, pure blood instead of others who deserved the punishment of death? And that's why this Passion Week is such a big deal for us Christians, because we remember that in it, Jesus was incredibly intentional about coming and giving himself as a sinless offering on our behalf. The Bible says he set his face like flint. He he was extremely determined to walk towards Jerusalem in that last week. And can you imagine what it was like for him to be walking towards what he knew was his death? But he chose to walk towards Jerusalem with his disciples. He came in at just the right time, offered himself on behalf of all people. And this is why we remember him. We remember him on the night before he was betrayed and he was taken. He faced the pressure of what he knew was coming. In Gethsemane, he knew it was coming, the culmination of everything that he had come To accomplish. He knew he was going to be handed over as a sacrifice for all of us. He also knew all the price tag for our freedom, freedom, the rejection by God, the pushing back from all these things. And in Gethsemane, he finally surrendered himself with full knowledge of the judgment, punishment, and rejection that was to come. And he gave himself to pay for our sins, for your sins, and for my sins. The righteous for the sinner, the just for the unjust, the prince of peace for the distressed. In Romans 5, this is what Paul says, You see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will somebody die for a righteous person, but for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we hadn't asked Him. We didn't expect it of Him. It never even entered our minds that God would be that good. But this was the unstoppable goodness of God in motion. This was God's grand plan. And this was God's grand savior. Come to save us all. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, it was his statement that Jesus was not only sinless himself, but that his full sacrifice had been made for all people, for all sin, and for all time. It was an incredible statement. The resurrection of Jesus proves that his sacrifice was perfectly acceptable to God. And in Jesus, all the power of sin is broken and its consequences also. See, this was God's plan since before he'd even started to create. The eternal covenant of God was set before a single human being drew breath. God had decided on an eternal purpose and on a perfect salvation, and it was always his intent to bless mankind and to cause us to be in a relationship with him. But he understood that an eternal covenant, that if he was going to have something that was both eternal in nature and complete in its scope, that he himself would have to accomplish it. He was not expecting his creation to do it. So this eternal covenant was cut between the Godhead and although mankind, we are the beneficiaries of this covenant, we were not including in the making of it because we were not yet created when it was established. Jesus was designated as the one who would sacrifice himself as a sin offering for mankind. And Ephesians 1 verse 9, Paul says this, this is the mystery of God's will, which was Purposed in Christ, God designed His great dream of our salvation and intimacy with Him and He dreamed it that Jesus was the one who was going to accomplish it. Ephesians 3.11, Paul says, God's eternal purpose was accomplished in His Son. 1 Peter 1.20 says that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world and, and, to, and so that before any one of us had an idea, before any of us lifted up our hearts, before we had an opportunity to sin, God had already chosen the one that would save us all. Second Timothy 1 verse 9, Paul says, This grace was given to me before time began. And Revelation 13, verse 8, talks about Jesus, who was the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. God's unstoppable goodness, His eternal plan. He had always had this in mind. God had always wanted you to know Him, always wanted your life to be blessed. He conceived in His unstoppable goodness a perfect plan of redemption. He wanted you to have the freedom to explore and make decisions and to love wholeheartedly and to strive and to plan and to grow. But at the same time, to have the mechanism that He would provide to destroy any sin and to wash away any shame, all wrapped up in this beautiful relationship with God who made Himself manifest in the flesh. He came to us so that we could understand everything about who God was, and so that He could understand everything about being human. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, that was His testimony, that He was entirely satisfied, that sin was entirely done away with and atoned for. See, God said, I completely accept that sacrifice. And seeing as Jesus' sacrifice was more than enough for all mankind for all time, God said he doesn't deserve any of his own punishment for sins. He's completely, in his death, absorbed all the wrath of God and all the punishment for all the sins of mankind. So I'm going to raise him up again. And that's exactly what Hebrews 13, 20 says. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him in Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The Bible says that God took the blood of Jesus, not only the blood that washed you, but it was also the blood that sealed the eternal covenant. This eternal purpose, this unstoppable goodness that was planned for you before time began, before you ever drew a breath, before you ever made a mistake, before you ever made a choice, God had set something up so that one day you would have this opportunity to turn your life to Jesus. And if you you did, you would experience powerful blessing. See, God has set this thing up so that the only way we can come to a place where we please Him is we embrace His Son and celebrate Him with all our hearts. Today, was celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, the final proof of his victory, the absolute testimony of God that he fully accepts the sacrifice. And Jesus was the completed purpose of God. He is now seated at the right hand of God as our eternal high priest. He represents us before God and he represents God to us. This is why the Bible says, if you have the son, you have life. If you don't have the sun, you don't have life. And some people say, I, I'm not sure this can all be true. And, and what's really so good about this? Well, let me tell you about this. God planned for you to be clean and blessed and to know him before you've had a chance to mess up. He planned his goodness, his unstoppable goodness for you. Before one person ever was created, God had an eternal purpose And that purpose was goodness for anybody who turns to Jesus Christ can experience the full love of God poured out on you. And I've heard people say, well, why was God so secretive about all of this? In truth, He really wasn't. He's been whispering details about this plan, His unstoppable goodness. It's coming to you, mankind. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter what rebellion you perpetrate, my unstoppable goodness is coming at you. What do you do with a God who uses your last act of rebellion and where you scream and you grab hold of the one that He sent and you nail Him to a cross and you beat Him almost to death and then you stand there as you mock Him and call for His death? What do you do with a God who takes that act of rebellion and rejection and uses it to be the source of your eternal salvation? Well, you, you, you kneel down and you bless and you worship a God like that because that's His unstoppable goodness. And God has been whispering to anybody who listened, to anybody who drew near, to anybody who asked Him, could you tell me about this great plan you have? Oh, and God whispered to his prophets and anybody who would listen, he said, oh, he's going to be a son of Abraham and through Isaac and through Jacob, I'm going to bless him. He's going to rule from the tribe of Judah. Judah. He told them which tribe he would from. He told them which family and clan. He said he'd be David's one of David's children. He, he told them about what town he'd be he'd be born in Bethlehem. He said a virgin was going to be conceived and uh, would conceive and, and she would give birth to a son and he was going to be called Emmanuel. He said before that son is old he's going to have to flee for his life to Egypt. He said his life is going to be a sin and blemish free. He's never going to sin and his life is going to become a sin offering for all mankind. It was prophesied that his parables would fall on deaf ears, that his miraculous ministry would begin in Galilee, that he would have a forerunner in front of him who was prophesying about him in the spirit of Elijah. He would be despised. He'd be rejected. He'd be celebrated by the Gentiles that they would plot, his own people would plot and falsely accuse him, that he would be quiet before his accusers, that a friend would betray him for 30 pieces of silver, that he'd be humiliated and forsaken and scorned and mocked and abused and beaten beyond human recognition. It was prophesied that his clothes would be gambled for, that he, they would pierce his hands and his feet, and that he would thirst and cry out in his thirst. Even the words on the cross that he would say was prophesied about him. It was prophesied that everybody would abandon him, but that God would raise him from the dead, that he would conquer death and that he would judge the world justly, that he would be faithful and a high priest, that he would usher in a new covenant between God and man. And friends, all of this whisper, when people were intently studying it and Jesus stood right in front of them, God came in the flesh and we celebrate that in Passion Week. We celebrated on Good Friday, his death and his burial. Today we celebrate his resurrection because Jesus came to accomplish every single one of these promises. And Jesus came to accomplish the unstoppable goodness of God. He came to make a way so that you can receive an inheritance that you didn't work for, but you can believe God for. This is the unstoppable goodness of God in action. And it is for you. In this season, you may know Jesus, you may not know Jesus. But I'm hoping that as you listen to this, you've got some inkling of the heart of God. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world. That's exactly what Jesus said. I didn't come to judge, I came to save. He said, it's not the, the healthy that need the doctor, it's the sick. When they said, why, Jesus, are you hanging around with people whose lives are morally suspect? In fact, they're the worst kind of people in our society. And Jesus said, that's exactly why I came. So friend, if you're sitting there and your life is not the best place it could be, and your life is in a mess maybe, and some of you are sitting there just going, I'm, I'm so held down by shame. I'm so beaten up by my own sin. I have a sin sick soul. I'm weary. I'm depressed. I'm down. Then I've got some good news for you. This is a day for you to experience the kindness of God in unprecedented ways. And all of God's unstoppable goodness, all of God's eternal plan are founded in his son. And how you deal with Lord Jesus Christ means everything. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. It's not the fanciness of the prayer that makes it count. It's how much you mean it in your heart. Because we serve a God who sees your heart. Right now, He sees everything that's going on in your heart, every thought that's in your mind, every circumstance that's in your life, and He knows you. And I've got good news for you. He loved you. And that's what Paul said while we were yet sinners, when we were in the worst of our shameful moments, when I was in the most horrible conditions I could, Jesus died for me there. And the good news for you, friend, is Jesus died for you. So if you've never met the Lord Jesus, won't you agree with me and pray this prayer? And I promise you, if you mean it in your heart, He'll hear you and He'll radically transform your life. He'll wash away your sins. He'll take away your shame. He'll he'll give you something profound and new inside. You will experience what what Jesus called being born again. A brand new life will come into you. And it's a simple issue that you turn to God and say, I'm going to accept this profound goodness that you sent me in your son. I'm going to believe on Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust that Jesus and what He did is going to wash away my sins. I'm not going to try and and atone for all my own sins. I'm not going to try and make up for all the bad things I've done. I'm just going to say, please forgive me. And I'm going to trust Jesus to wash away all my sin. I'm going to come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, because that's the way God came to me. He came to me and He came to mankind in the person of His Son. So what you do with Jesus is the single most important decision of your life. So I'm going to invite you right now to join me as I pray this prayer in asking Jesus to come into my life. And if you're a believer and you've been a believer for for a long time, then you can just celebrate this. Because you can think back to the day when your life was radically changed because you prayed this prayer. So let's come to pray together now in Jesus' name. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I believe that you sent your only son who lived a sinless life and then gave his perfect life up so that his blood could be shed, so that his blood could pay for my sins. And Lord, I just wanted to say thank you, Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. I, I just come to you, Lord, and I, I put all my faith in you. I trust completely in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. I don't put my trust in anything that I'm doing. I don't deserve this, but you're just that good. And your unstoppable goodness, Lord, has come to me. So I want to bow my knee and surrender my heart and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Thank you for what you did. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful grace that has come into my life. I receive you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining with us in this Easter service We're going to have a last song of worship, but won't you agree with us as we thank God for these many people who've come to know Him. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today.